Welcome to Crime Below Zero, where the temperatures are cold, but the crime is colder. I'm your host, Courtney, and I live on a remote island in Alaska called Prince of Wales Island. While the temperatures don't quite reach below zero here, for much of this wild state, it does. I will be exploring all sorts of crime in the great state of Alaska and telling you about it. So let's get started with this week's story. Robert Hansen was born on February 15, 1939 in Esterville, Iowa, to Edna Margaret Hansen and Chris Hansen, both Dutch immigrants. He was the oldest of two children. His father, Chris, owned a bakery that Robert worked at, and his mother was a homemaker. At one point, his family moved to Richmond, California, but didn't stay long and ended up back in Iowa, settling in the town of Pocahontas in 1949. Robert Hansen was very shy when he was a kid, had a stutter, and suffered severe acne that left him scarred for life. He was also left-handed, but his parents forced him to use his right hand, and it made Robert think that he was born wrong, and he would later say that his stutter came on because of this. Robert and his father had a contentious, domineering relationship, and Robert would often find solace in hunting and archery. Robert was a loner and didn't have many, if any, friends. In 1957, at the age of 18, Robert enlisted in the Army Reserves, which also didn't last long. While he was enlisted, he was named Soldier of the Week and was given a day pass to explore New York City. During this excursion, his buddies bought him some time with a prostitute, and that would be his first time with a woman, and he hated it. He said he wished it would have been more special than that. This is considered to be a seed that was planted that led to his negative attitude towards women. He was discharged a year later. He went back to Pocahontas after his discharge and met a young lady and got married in the summer of 1960. While living in Pocahontas, he found work as an assistant drill instructor at the police academy. He was eventually let go from this position due to a number of reasons, but mostly the police chief would see him behind his father's bakery throwing knives at a target and could tell that there was something off about him. Robert eventually came to own a bakery in Alaska and that lent itself to him having friends that would vouch for him and sometimes fabricate alibis when he needed them. His first run-in with the law was a kind of serious one right away. In December of 1960, Robert set fire to and burned down a Pocahontas County school bus garage and said that his treatment throughout high school was the reason. He served 20 months of a three-year prison sentence. During his incarceration, he was diagnosed with manic depression and periodic schizophrenic episodes. The psychiatrist said he had an infantile personality that felt the need to seek revenge on people who had wronged him. His wife divorced him when he was incarcerated, and his father was so ashamed of the crime that he sold his bakery and moved to Minnesota where he bought and ran a resort on Leech Lake. Upon Robert's release, he moved to Leech Lake, and it was there that he met his next wife, Darla Henriksen. 
Over the next few years, he got in trouble for petty theft. In 1967, Hansen wanted a fresh start, so he moved to Anchorage with Darla, whom he married in 1963 and had two kids with, and was married to her for 20 years. It would later be revealed that his wife and kids would summer in Arkansas visiting her family, which gave Hansen a lot of opportunity to do his bidding. In Anchorage, Robert was well-liked by the community, and he set local hunting records with his bow and arrow. He also owned his own bakery, named Hansen's Bakery, on 9th and Ingra. This bliss didn't last long, however, and in December of 1971, he was arrested twice. Once for abduction and attempted rape, and then again for rape of a prostitute. This prostitute was Barbara Fields. She picked Hansen out of a photo lineup and told police what had happened to her. But Hansen's minister and a couple of friends said that Fields must have been lying because Hansen was harmless. They said that Fields couldn't be trusted because of her line of work and use of drugs. So the rape charge was dropped as part of a plea agreement, and Robert was sentenced to five years in prison for the abduction. After serving six months of his sentence, Robert was placed in a work release program and then released to a halfway house. In 1976, he pled guilty to larceny after he was caught trying to steal a chainsaw from an Anchorage Fred Meyer store. He was again sentenced to five years and required to receive psychiatric treatment for his bipolar disorder. This sentence was taken before the Alaska Supreme Court and they reduced his sentence to time served and Robert was released. Now, on to how the world knows Robert Hansen, the butcher baker. It is believed that Hansen began killing around 1972. It's believed that his first victim was Celia Van Zanten, who was 18 years old. She was kidnapped on December 22, 1971, and froze to death in the wilderness after having escaped her attacker. Her body was discovered on Christmas Day. This abduction took place three days after he committed his assault on the prostitute for which he was jailed. Robert just happened to be out on bail at this time. There were similarities in Celia's case and Hansen's M.O., but no hard evidence linking him to her death. Hansen's M.O. usually read like this. He picked up prostitutes in his car and held them at gunpoint until he took them to his home where he raped them. Then he would take them to a secluded forest area and set them free while he hunted them down to shoot or stab them to death. He would then leave their bodies in the wilderness. Just to make a note about this time period in Alaska, the Trans-Alaska Oil Pipeline was being built, which drew about 28,000 men up to Alaska for work, and as an effect, a string of strip clubs popped up like Booby Trap, the Great Alaska Bush Company, among others. This lent itself to women coming up to work too, but in this line of work, women didn't stay long. They would work circuits on the West Coast, from California up to Alaska into Canada, so they didn't stay in one place so long. So when one girl went missing, it was tough to report right away because they were moving around so often. Celia Beth Van Zanten was 18 years old and at home with two of her three older brothers on December 22, 1971. She left the home around 8.30 p.m. to reach the Buy Low supermarket before they closed at 9. A witness remembers seeing her on Northern Lights Boulevard a little before 9 p.m., but she never made it to the store. 
She was found on Christmas Day, 1971, in the Chugach State Park, bound, stabbed, and sexually assaulted. She had tried to climb up the slope of the ravine she was dumped in, but the bindings had prevented her from getting far, and she died from exposure. Hansen was accused of killing her due to an X on his aircraft map, but he denied responsibility. He also denied responsibility for women not involved in prostitution. After this, remember, Hansen was incarcerated and living in a halfway house for a bit, so his next abduction took place July 7, 1973 in Seward, Alaska. Megan Shaban Emrick was 17 and was doing laundry at the Seward Skills Center, which is a boarding school. Her body has never been recovered. At the time, her roommate conducted a three-day search for Megan before contacting police. Hansen denied having anything to do with Megan's disappearance, but yet again, there was an X on his aircraft map consistent with the area where his cabin in the woods was. An inmate told authorities that Hansen admitted to killing and burying her there as it's only accessible by boat and well out of the way of society. He did admit to being in the Seward area the day she went missing, though. Then, almost two years to the day, on July 5th, 1975, Mary Kathleen Thill, who was 22 at the time, went missing from Seward. Her husband was away working on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, and she lived on Lower Point Road. A friend took her to town that day around 1.30 or 2 p.m., where a different acquaintance saw her by a waterfall on Lowell Point Road, and she hasn't been seen or heard from since. Hansen admitted to being in Seward that day, but denied killing her. Again, there was an X on his aircraft map in the area of Resurrection Bay, which increased suspicions of him. Again, a former prisoner told authorities that Hansen had admitted to killing her and leaving her body in Resurrection Bay. Again, so close to the exact same time, five years later, on July 21, 1980, the remains of Eglunta Annie were discovered buried near a power line in the woods one mile south of South Eglunta Lake Road in Anchorage. They call her Eglunta Annie because her body had been so consumed by wildlife when she was found that she couldn't be identified, and it's only gotten harder to identify her with time. There was a facial reconstruction done and widely publicized to no avail. Hansen told authorities that she was his first kill and she was either a topless dancer or a prostitute. He said that he stabbed her in the back after she tried to escape from his car after he had already told her he was going to take her home. It's unclear where she was from. Hansen made a comment about her being from Kodiak, but troopers believe she came to Alaska from California. Joanne Messina was a topless dancer at the age of 24 when she went to dinner with Hansen. It was May 19, 1980, and she was working in Seward at the time. Hansen claimed that things were going well until she offered him sex in exchange for money. Hansen not only refused to pay her, but he also refused to let her go, so he drove her and her dog to a secluded place by Snow River. He hit her with a 22 caliber revolver and then shot her twice and her dog once. He took her body to a gravel pit and covered her with gravel and proceeded to discard her and her dog's belongings into the woods and the gun into the Snow River. Then on July 8, 1980, her severely decomposed body was found at the gravel pit, but she had been eviscerated by wildlife. 
Roxanne Eastland went missing on June 28, 1980. She was 24 years old and had been staying at the Budget Motel on Spinard Road in Anchorage with her boyfriend for two weeks. She was supposed to meet an unnamed man downtown on 4th Avenue that night, and she hasn't been seen or heard from since, and her body has never been recovered. Hansen did admit to killing her. On September 7, 1980, Lisa Futrell, 41 years old, did not come back home from her shift at a nightclub in Anchorage. Her younger housemates subsequently reported her missing, and her case then went cold for a few years until her body was found on May 9, 1984, buried next to a gravel pit south of the former Nick Arm Bridge. Malai Larson was 28 years old and was reported missing on July 10, 1981 in Anchorage. Her body wasn't discovered until April 24, 1984 in a parking lot close to the Nick Arm Bridge. She had been an exotic dancer. Sherry Morrow was 23 years old when she told her friends that she was meeting a photographer who promised her $300 for nude images on November 17, 1981. She was a topless dancer in Anchorage. September 12, 1982, some hunters found a shallow grave on the banks of the Nick River that borders Anchorage. She was able to be identified by her remains and was found with three bullet holes in her back from a 223 Ruger Mini-14 hunting rifle. She also was found fully clothed, but her clothes were absent of bullet holes, so the investigators deduced that she had to have been naked when she was killed and then redressed before being buried. Andrea Mona Fish Altery, 24 years old, was last seen getting into a taxi on December 2, 1981, at 11 p.m. She told people she was going to meet an unknown man for a photo shoot and to perform exotic dances. Her body was also never found. When authorities conducted a search of Hansen's home, they found a number of her possessions, including her fish necklace. Hansen said that after they met up, he threatened her with a gun, abducted her, blindfolded her, and handcuffed her. He took her to an area near the Nick Arm Bridge off Palmer Highway where he unbound her, sexually abused her, and then killed her with a 22 Browning pistol after she started fighting back. He stole her necklace, weighed down a duffel bag with gravel, and tied it to her body before he threw her off a bridge into the Nick River. A 23-year-old exotic dancer named Sue Luna agreed to meet with a nightclub patron for a $300 photo shoot. On May 26, 1982, she met up with Hansen in a diner parking lot in Anchorage, and the following day, she was reported missing. Hansen had, of course, abducted and killed her and buried her in the Nick River. He had let her flee naked into the forest so that he could hunt her like an animal. She was shot to death, and her body was found on April 24, 1984. Tamara Tammy Peterson was a 20-year-old dancer in Anchorage, and her family last heard from her on August 7, 1982. She had called them to let them know she had been offered money to pose for pictures. She had been kidnapped and murdered by Hansen. She was not found until Hansen confessed and pointed out where she was on a map. Her remains were found one and a half miles from the Old Nick Bridge on April 29, 1984. Angela Lynn Federn was a 24-year-old dancer out of Anchorage. She was last seen sometime in February 1983, but had gone unreported as a missing person until May of that year. 
the owner of the nightclub she danced at had called to report her missing. Hansen had abducted and killed her. Her remains were found on April 26, 1984, on a small lake near the larger Figure Eight Lake. Teresa Watson was a 22-year-old dancer who was last seen in Anchorage on March 25, 1983. She had told a friend that she was meeting a man who was going to give her $300 for an hour or two of company. When she arrived at Scenic Lake, Hansen abducted and killed her. Since the ground was still frozen, he just left her body where she died and she was discovered on May 17, 1984. Robin Pelkey went missing July 19, 1983, when she was 19 years old when she was living in Anchorage. It is unknown if she was involved with sex work, which would have been a little outside Hansen's M.O. She had been stabbed and shot, and she was found close to Horseshoe Lake in Palmer, Alaska. In October 2021, her identity was determined using forensic genealogy. She had been known as Horseshoe Harriet before then. Deline Sugar Renee Frey was a 22-year-old resident of Anchorage, was last seen in March of 1983, but it took a little while for her to be reported missing. She had been abducted and killed by Hansen, and her body was discovered on August 20, 1985, when a pilot was trying out new tires by the Nick River Sandbar. She was buried as a Jane Doe in an Anchorage cemetery. In 1989, she was identified by an Alaska state trooper who recognized her jewelry in a case file photo. Paula Golding went missing April 25, 1983, after Hansen offered her money, then kidnapped her. She was a 17-year-old dancer out of Anchorage. He drove her to his aircraft, shackled her, and once they reached the remote spot, he demanded she exit under the threat of being shot. Paula fought with Hansen and tried to get away. As she was trying to flee, he shot her with a 223 rifle, killing her. She was discovered on September 2, 1983, buried in a shallow grave on the Nick River. She was similar to Sherry Morrow in that she was wounded in the back, but her clothes had no bullet holes in them, so she had been nude, then redressed before Barry. There is one brave soul, however, that seized the moment to escape. And we will talk about her and Hansen's capture next week in part two of the Robert Hansen story. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and I'll see you next week for the second part of this very cold crime. Please follow me on Instagram at crimebelowzero, and feel free to email case suggestions to crimebelowzeropod at gmail.com. Download and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox, and please leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. There is a link in the episode description for listener support. If you'd like to support this podcast, please click the link. Thanks so much for all your support by just listening every week to the stories I tell you. Be safe out there.